Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. Today's episode, we're chatting Japan versus Brazil. We're chatting uh, United States Women's National Team versus Canada. We are going to preview the entire slate of games coming up on Thursday, February 16th. So make sure you drop us your reactions. You drop us your comments in the live chat because we know you got thoughts and opinions and we want to hear from you as well. And uh, I'm happy to be here this morning, bright and early, chat about all things She Believes Cup. Lisa, how are you doing today? You amped? I am so jazzed for this. Of course, I'm amped because uh, U.S. is back in action. We've got the She Believes Cup, um, a little bit of drama around it, too, that we're going to talk about and some strikes and some protests. But, hey, we got football back. We got international football across the board. We've previewed a couple of the other tournaments that are happening, whether it's Arnold Clark Cup or the Cup of Nations in Australia, um, in France. There's a lot of international competition happening. It starts tonight, right, with the Mexican Revelation uh, Wednesday, and then tomorrow is the the big Kahuna with she believes and Arnold Clark and Cup of Nations. Everything happening. Um, it's it's a lot to talk about. In the U.S. is in Orlando at this point. I'll be there later today. I'm making my way down there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a good time to be here and to be chatting about it. It's good to see you, Sandra. I feel like you know last week to to Wednesday now as we're as we're recording this preview it's a chunk of time good chunk of time between between the last time we saw each other I know look we communicate outside of this show but still it's like always nice to get back here and and see you and and check in Mm -hmm. uh and check in with everybody who is is joining us uh because it's been a long time for them as well and I'm glad you reminded everybody because we did do uh sort of a, a an overall preview of this actual 
February FIFA window. It's not just She Believes Cup. We've done some chatter yeah. about Arnold Clark and everything else that's going to take place in between, um, including that inter-confederation playoff. We will know oh, yeah. who that fourth team is going to be in Group B with the United States women's national team. Um, so, yeah, it's an exciting it's an exciting week. So uh, lots mm-hmm. of soccer, but make sure you try to tune in when and where you can. But it's here. She Believes Cup, the eighth annual tournament is the United States going to win? Are they going to lift this cup one more time? Uh, Is someone going to come in here and disrupt the flow that the United States women's national team is trying to establish in the lead up to the world cup? It's the United States as hosts. It's Canada, their biggest CONCACAF rival. It's Brazil. It's Japan. All of these teams are going to face each other between February 16th through February 21st. You can catch the matches across various streaming services, uh, HBO Max, Peacock. Some of these games are going to air on your cable network. So make sure you check your local providers for I think it's TNT and everything else. So uh, make sure you, you, you pay attention to all that. But we wanted to really start off this first segment with uh, perhaps the news portion uh, surrounding She Believes Cup and involving Canada. So Canada's national teams um, involved in what's essentially an ongoing dispute with the uh, Canadian Soccer Federation. And uh, it's really made a lot of headlines recently uh, because the uh, Canadian women's national team uh, has gone ahead and... uh, attempted to to go on strike. Uh, They are now uh, changing things around and saying that they are playing in protest. Um, These players have held uh, media availability um, to talk about uh, some of the ongoing issues that they've had back and forth uh, with their federation uh, in light of trying to negotiate a collective bargaining agreement. Um, so it's been it's been a kind of a wild, let's just say, 72 hours to, to four days. A lot of this really kicking off uh, right around Friday when, when trainings are already in full swing for She Believes Cup. It's uh, it's yeah, it's there's hard to see that this is something that's like another thing that a, another um, women's program has to has to go through again. Yeah, yeah. And- and I think um, take a step back and, and look at the story as it unfolded. The announcements were made last Friday from the Canadian Players Association, uh, putting out a statement saying that they are, are frustrated, expressing their frustrations with uh, Canada soccer and everything that they are not doing essentially to help this Canadian women's national team. And these are the reigning uh, Olympians uh, in this Canadian women's national team. And they're talking about defunding the fact that they, the, the players are upset that they're not playing a home game in Canada before the world cup. Um, the men's national team has had a lot of recent success and there's just no baseline for what the women should be receiving from their federation in Canada. And that's where a lot of these frustrations lies. The The players association put out statements on Twitter and a letter saying that um, they were going to be boycotting that if, if Canada soccer cannot support and is not willing or able to support the team. They, the players are going to look for new leadership. They're committed to doing whatever it takes to create public awareness of this crisis and then force Canada soccer to support the national teams properly. That, that comes from funding and equal pay, um, uh, 
access to fields, access to players, um, the players saying that they're tired. They're tired of fighting this fight for equal treatment. And uh, so at this point on Friday, when the statement comes out, uh, it's basically said that with all this frustration that these players are expressing, they are going to protest and boycott playing for their country if they're not receiving equal pay and equal treatment. That's kind of like the baseline of it. But out on Friday with full awareness and understanding, Canada is set to play the United States on Thursday, tomorrow the 16th. So this was about six days later after they made this statement. Um, the players met, the players met with the Federation, they met with Canada Soccer, and they had a little bit of meetings, and they didn't maybe go as well as the players wanted. The players um, in these meetings, Canada Soccer saying, hey, we're doing what we can for you. We're, we're making this equal. We're doing everything we can. And basically threatening the players to some extent, correct me if I'm wrong, Sandra, saying like, if you don't play, there will be consequences and you will never be paid for for what you've done this year and what you've played. Yeah, it's an interesting, <laughs> it's an interesting stance to take while you're also saying that you want to continue to negotiate with, with both your national teams, essentially in good faith. Um, it's a, it almost sort of gives, you know, per perception is reality for a lot of people, many people out there. So it gives the perception to many out there that there's a little bit of, you know, strong arming um, and utilizing resources that some of these players don't have. The Federation has those type of resources to, to say, you know what, if, if you don't, uh, you know, fulfill the, the obligation to, to play these matches coming up, you'll face litigation and obviously these players uh, are, are not in a position to, to withstand something like that. And we're, yeah, we talk about things like, um, you know, the concept of equality or equal pay between mm -hmm. these teams. And it's just sort of funny to even chat about that within this, because this federation has talked about cutting budgets for both of these teams. So how was yeah. that for quality? It's like, it's a little bit, um, gosh, it's just sort of maddening to go through some of, of the details of this sort of ongoing uh, dispute between all three of these parties, whether it's been the, 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 the men's team, you know, both national teams and, uh, and, and the Federation. So to sort of see how things progress from, you know, a late Friday evening or a Saturday evening all the way through to really what was essentially like a Tuesday uh, a press conference right. amongst some players, which I think is, where a lot of folks were maybe waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like what, what are some of these players thinking, saying, feeling, because we only saw, you know, we saw some players um, try to utilize their social media to, to express themselves. Right. We, we saw, um, I mean, I think it was Jesse Fleming who, who took to, to her Instagram uh, and, and tried to put things out. I believe she said, you know, there's, there's two issues, big issues here with Canada soccer, there's there's poor governance, financial mismanagement, lack of transparency, and, and you know widely reported deal between Canada soccer and, and Canada soccer business. These are two things that kind of are conflicting that the players can't necessarily comment on. Um, and, and gender inequity that over the last two years there has been that there's been significant funding discrepancies between uh, both of the programs, uh, and that you know I think people learn for the maybe the first time that there has been um, a real hack in budget in, for for this year yes. as the teams are trying to prepare whether it's uh, the men's program for 2026 uh, you know World Cup in which they will be playing host 
or in this summer where where uh, the women's national team program is going to go and compete where look let's be let's be frank about it this is this is a canadian team that has a real opportunity a real shot in yes. front of them to be world cup champions that's that's yeah. not something that um I think you could take lightly. I think windows are short, right? Windows of, of success right. are very, very short. And we've seen this Canadian team um, be very competitive, have, have always sort of been within the top 10 of the rankings in terms of official FIFA rankings. They've come, they, they came off of, uh, of two bronze medals. They had a mission to change that color and they did it. They walked away with the gold medal. They did it. In the two they games. And I don't know how your federation and you look at the success of your women's national team program and say, I know what they need to take it to the next level. I got to cut their budget. Make it make sense. It doesn't. Yeah. So- when does that ever, when, when is that ever going to help success? They cut their budget, cut their, their game opportunities, cut the player opportunities to join this camp. And that's uh, also one of the really frustrating things is watching this unfold. Uh, um, my heart is hurting for these players and for a million different reasons. But one of them in the fact that they're trying to make a statement, they're trying to boycott and say, OK, we're not going to play. We're not going to come to work if you're not going to pay us. And Canada soccer coming back and saying, hey, if you don't play in this tournament against the United States, we're going to take legal action against you, force you back onto the pitch and to play. We're going to collect what could be millions and millions of dollars in damages from the Players Association and from individual players. So not only did the Federation and Canada Soccer come back and say, we're going to force you back onto the pitch because under Ontario laws, you can't do this, but we're also going to essentially threaten to sue you for everything you're worth when these players haven't been paid in months to do the job that they're done. Like That's another factor of it. It's one thing if you don't want to provide resources and funding for your women's national team or any national team, but they're at least getting paid their job. No, neither is happening. They're cutting the funding and they're not getting paid for any of this. So that's uh, my heart broke when I saw that because these players now have no choice. They, they need money. They, they have to support themselves. If, if they're not playing with their club team because they're playing with their national team, they need to continue to be getting paid. And uh, these players for so Long have been sacrificing and working multiple jobs and traveling with families or leaving their families behind to go travel and play on this team to fight for what is the biggest trophy in soccer, the World Cup. And that's what this team is kind of looking at down the tunnel now. So they're doing everything they can to say we deserve to be paid, but we also have to continue to play because that's only going to be able to lift that World Cup trophy. It's yeah. uh, horrible. So then the, the players coming out, they, they did train on Sunday. They covered up their Canada logo on their shirts. Um, they have players came out and did make a statement that they will be playing in tomorrow's She Believes Cup match against the United States. And as a player, we saw some of the statements, but as a player, they want to play this game that they love so much and they want to win. They want to go against their rivals in the United States and crush them, win the She Believes Cup. Every athlete, especially professional athletes playing for you, you want to destroy your opponent. But they also have this heartache of, of not having that much pride to play for the jersey that they're wearing because they're not treating them correctly. So the games will be played but in major protest for for what can be done. I think Christine Sinclair, the best player in the world, right? 
a leading goal scorer internationally. She's the captain of this Canadian women's national team midfielder. She came out and put out a statement and said, yeah, we're playing against the United States. These are our rivals. We want to win, but we are boycotting Canada and, and this will be in protest, not boycotting. This will be in protest for Canada soccer. Yeah. I, I think that was probably, I think that was the, the component that, that so many of us were, were sort of waiting to see. I mean, Christine Sinclair, uh, Janine Becky, Sophie Schmidt, um, Quinn, all, all players who participated, um, who participated in this, in this media availability for Canada soccer players. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just heartbreaking to, to, you have, yes, we, everyone should know the name and, and face of, of Christine mm-hmm. Sinclair. Someday, probably in the near future, <laughs> this is a player headed towards the, the nearing uh, end of her career. And someday, yes, we'll probably announce a retirement. And when she does, it's it's going to be as like the greatest Canadian soccer player to have ever existed. But you've also got somebody like a Sophie Schmidt who has been part of this team yeah. for a very long time, you know, and has helped sort of lay the foundation of, you know, and culture of what it means to be part of this team and part of that program. And, you know, you hear from her in a press conference like this and saying that in the back and forth that she went to head coach, Beth Priestman, ready to quit, like ready to be like, I'm done. I have no, you know, I can't <laughs> wear this shirt any longer. Um, and head coach Priestman just saying, why don't you just take a second, sleep on it. Um, Schmidt saying that she also spoke to Sinclair about things and, and just ultimately reached the same conclusion, but, you know, just sort of put a timeline on it. Smith had said that she is going to retire from international play after the world cup. Um, and in this short timeline that she still has with the team wants to continue to fight for, um, you know, a, a good collective bargaining agreement between the, between the teams and, um, hopefully just sort of get just any of the, the bare minimums that they can get to yeah. to go ahead and, and continue to prepare for, for the world cup. But I thought a very good component coming out of this, this press conference was hearing these players also talk about the, the future of this program. I thought Quinn provided a lot of great insight on that. They were very clear about how important it is to retain their diligence in, in, in a fight like this because there are going to be players who do make their way into this team in the program that they don't have to, to have these same fights or these same arguments or these same disputes with their federation, that there's a current generation in place on this national team that is trying to fight for all of these standards so that the incoming generation doesn't have to have the same plight because that is really the common theme unfortunately that we see in so many of these disputes with federations all over the world is that they're generational we hear these national teams and these programs and you're talking about generational trauma of like constant fighting with federations i mean there's a reason why when we witnessed the historic cba get signed for the united states women's national team there were players of multiple eras around this historic yeah. signing because it has been something that has been fought for for decades and decades and decades. So 
the other side of this is she believes cup is going to kick off. And I think yeah. the, the, the transition out of this is, is the motivation. It was, I think to sort of exit, you know, the, the, the press conference, Christine Sinclair said that they are going to compete in she believes cup and they are going to compete and play in protest and they are going to go out there and they are going to win. And I think yeah. something like this makes Canada immediately a dangerous factor amongst the four teams competing in this competition coming up. Oh, no. Lisa, did I lose you? Did I drop the mic so hard? You got that much more to play for. <laughs> we lost you for a second, but are you back? I, I agree. I mean, they, they have uh, – am I back? Am I back here? Do you have me? You're back now. You're back. Thank you. I I mean, yeah, they, they have that much more to play for, right? And that much more on the line. I mean, and it's – I want people to understand how difficult it is for a team to actually come together and put out a statement and say, we will be boycotting this. Because think of all the players that make up a team. They all have to come together and have one voice. And if you're looking to make a World Cup team, as a player, maybe you don't want to make too many waves. You don't want to put your name on something that says – I might not get the opportunity to get my second cap or get a goal or prove myself for the World Cup. That's an, a whole other layer than this. It's it's not just having the voice to say, yeah, we're going to boycott, we're going to protest, but it's making sure that every single player on the team is on the same page and they're willing to sacrifice their position on that team in order to have equal rights and equal fights. I mean, they even talked about that the players are sharing hotel rooms at this point, whereas the men's team, they each got their own hotel room when they were preparing for the World Cup, that the players coming from Europe got to fly business class, but the players coming from North America to Orlando for the She Believes Cup, they all flew uh, economy, maybe economy plus, and that if the players wanted to upgrade, they had to pay for that themselves. Just these tiny things that, that people don't even think about, but when you're talking to your counterparts that are males and they've received treatment that's just up and, and better than yours, that's when it it truly affects you. Yeah. So, I mean, Canada saying, hey, we're going to come out, we're going to win this, we're going to destroy this tournament. I believe that they're going to have smoke out of their ears playing in this mm -hmm. tournament. You got to, you can only control what you can control, right? And part of that is, is the game in front of you, the game, the game that you're going to play. And we're going to preview that, but there is, there's going to be a match that really does kick off. She believes cup. And it's going to be between Brazil and Japan. So we've got Thursday, February 16th as the first match day for she believes cup, but United States and Canada are actually the headliners of that game. But what's going to kick off first at 4 PM Eastern is going to be uh, Brazil and Japan. And we want to chat a little bit about these two teams since they are the two that are going to kick things off in this uh, annual event. Uh, let's start with Brazil a little bit here. Uh, we're excited to watch this team take on the she believes cup. Uh, as we started to see, uh, the rosters roll in for this tournament. I got so excited, Lisa. You remember I was I was tweeting, I was texting you, I was slacking, and and I was like, oh my god, there's so many Brazilians who are gonna be out there, not only representing uh, 
their country, but there are seven of them who are going to yeah. be representing NWSL clubs as well. So, I mean, and across all different lines, we're talking defenders, midfielders, forwards. Um, you got to shout out Bruinha with Gotham. Oh. Uh, we got to shout out uh, Adriana with Orlando Pride, Ari with Racing Louisville, Carolin with North Carolina Courage, uh, Bianchi with Chicago Red Stars, Devinia now with Kansas City Current, <laughs> right? And uh, of course, uh, Marta with Orlando Pride. And maybe let's talk uh, about that a little bit, right? Marta, the, we're talking about legends of the game. We talked a lot about Christine Sinclair. Um, Marta potentially could make her return to the pitch, and she 11 believes eleven months, eleven months, months since whole year, <laughs> eleven months since we have seen the Marta magic on the pitch. Uh, she suffered that ACL tear last March, and it took her out for the entirety of the NWSL season. Uh, she's been training right. We've seen her at Orlando putting out on their social medias the training, um, her personal ones as well. I I'm. I think we're going to see her, right? We have to. We have to see her. Mm. I am so excited about that. I mean, yeah, you look at this Brazilian side. They're ranked number nine right now in the FIFA rankings. Um, they've been in the She Believes Cup before, right? They've they've played in this. They understand the competition. They understand the atmosphere around it. This is Brazil's third She Believes Cup. Um, and in 2021, they finished second and fourth in 2019. So they're also a nation that is looking to lift this trophy and win this tournament. Um, and as you mentioned, all the great people that they have, I still can't get over Dubin at North Carolina. I'm still getting used to it a little bit. But they've also got head coach Pio Sundahe, who is been ahead of this team formerly with the United States. This is Pia is a great coach. And I think that Pia is preparing this team for a, a world cup run in which Brazil wants to win, right? You look at how they got to the world cup and, and their history since last summer in July, winning the Copa America title, they went undefeated throughout that tournament, um, throughout the group stages and, and winning their eighth Copa America. This is a, a Brazilian side that has a lot of firepower as you mentioned, all those different names, I think Marta is probably the biggest one that I've circled to kind of see how everything plays out and how she plays. Like, are we going to see her? She's probably on limited minutes, right? Yeah. But is she going to is she going to get a start? Are we even going to see her in the first game that Brazil plays against Japan? You have to kind of look at the matchups because Brazil, if you're Brazil, you're looking at, okay, We've got to start this tournament. And of course, you want to start on the right foot. You want to start with all your eggs in your basket. But then you have to play Canada and the United States. Uh, kind of which basket are you putting all your eggs in at yeah. this point? Um, I, I am. I think in terms of like those first minutes, you want to try to get a player like Martha those minutes against a team like Japan. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I don't know if it's a start. You know, uh, it's, I mean, uh, you need Marta against all of the teams. Let's yeah, no Especially because of the, the type of tournament that it is, right? It's mirroring like a potential group stage. It's a round robin tournament. So there's a match with short rest in between, and then you got another game in front of you before you know it, right? So um I think, yeah, obviously the biggest, the biggest name that's gonna stand out there and question marks what we may see. Um, you know, but I'm also eager to see you know, some of the younger players, you know, with with Brazil. They've got a ton of players who um, are trying to make names for, for themselves as, as well. You know, I'm looking at, you know, some of the European clubs, you know, players who have played with, 
with our or with Arsenal. Um, you know, Gio Quiroz who's, who's with Arsenal. Um, I think you you look at uh, the defenders like Tarsiani. Like it, it's just like it's just curious. I mean, I think the coaches going into this type of tournament, you know, still maybe want to use some evaluation for the younger players, you know, in, in, in the buildup yeah. to a world cup because they have to prepare a roster, you know, but um, I think there's some, some good energy or some good players that you could take a look at. I, I'm keeping my eye on a lot of the Arsenal players just because I feel like I've seen more games, you know, from them. I, I think if we're talking about Marta at this point as, as a legend in general for Brazil, I think, you know, Rafael who's with Arsenal is the, maybe the defensive mm-hmm. legend, you know, and then that side, you know, she's, she's held things down for quite some time, but I think it's also an opportunity for, um, it's an opportunity for fans out there who maybe are keeping an eye on their NWSL clubs that if, if they are unfamiliar with uh, yeah. some of the Brazilian signings that have been made over, over the off season, that they, they get a chance to, to take a look at them in action over the course of, uh, of the Shiba Leafs cup. And, and maybe, you know, we can echo a similar sentiment with Japan, you know, because as they, as they roll out their, their starting lineup, I think probably the biggest name that stands out for a lot of, of American audience is probably somebody like a June Endo who plays yeah. with Angel City. And, of course, you and I were fortunate enough to, to make it out to Los Angeles for a couple games over the course of the 2022 season. And I feel like every time we had a chance to take a look at those games, we were like, man, June Endo is so good on this pitch. And it's very it was very cool to, to watch – to watch them play because we got to see Endo play in, in some utilizing different positions on, mm-hmm. on the field, you know, sort of a wing back, a little higher up the pitch at times. Um, so very excited for that. But, you know, there's also, um, I, I really want to see uh, Fuka Nagano play because saw short time with North Carolina courage, but is now playing with Liverpool. Um, I thought that was a player that had, uh, sort of a, a quick kind of impact for North Carolina Courage. It's you know unfortunate that we won't get to see uh, some continued development there. But now playing in women's super league, so looking uh, at a player like uh, Nagano for sure. I'm also um, you know looking at any of, of the players maybe amongst Tokyo Verde because we got to see a little bit of, of them in action yeah. during the Women's Cup. Um, but I think of all the games that could potentially take place over the course of she believes cup i'm i am really excited for brazil versus japan i think there's some tactical matchups of individual battles that you might want to keep an eye on the pitch and who's going to get the better of who when this game actually gets kicked off and it's only three games so Mm -hmm. not to put any pressure on any of the four teams but it's probably pretty important to get some points out of these first games you want to make a pick let's maybe transition with the with the with a pick I love making a pick. I mean, this is one of the games that when we talked about it initially in our She Believes Cup that Brazil, Japan is going to be a great matchup to see the tactical side of this and and kind of which team comes out on top. Um, I'm I'm so excited to watch this game. In terms of predictions, um, I... I go with I think Japan is going to get the win over Brazil in this opening match of she believes cup and it is the opening match because this one kicks off uh tomorrow afternoon whereas the United States Canada is tomorrow evening and I'm going to go with Japan a narrow though not too many goals a narrow a narrow win for Japan what about you oh my god I listen I don't want to be this way but I I, I can't help but feel like this one might end in a draw Girl, uh, I'm yeah. very excited about these two teams I want to pick a winner and I want to pick a loser we love that that's the American way winner and a loser uh but I ha- I feel like this has the makings of a draw look there's a lot of of players 
on both sides of this roster that have uh, players playing in different areas of the globe, right? Some of these players who are coming into She Believes Cup are in form or already in full swing of their season, right? But there are some that are coming in off of a long off season. I mean, we're talking about seven players for Brazil that are representing NWSL clubs that are really just in the swing of their preseason. So what is that going to look like coming into this match? So I do think there will be a period of adjustment uh, for Brazil to try to play into this game. So I wouldn't be shocked if maybe it's a little bit of a come from behind. So while I want to give the edge to Japan, I'll say with a draw just to have two different picks All right. in the opening game. But we've got one more to chat about. We've got the headliner, United States Women's National Team versus Canada. Don't go anywhere. We're going to break it down for you after a quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, let's chat about it. She Believes Cup, United States Women's National Team versus Canada. It's a big one. We've been waiting for She Believes Cup for quite some time now we've been waiting for this international window a lot of players a lot of coaches speaking in media availabilities talking about how this window of time is such a unique opportunity because it really is going to be the final time for some competition that mirrors tournament style matches so while there are future international windows in front of all of these national team programs this is the only format in which it's likely going to be a round robin style tournament we've got usa versus canada lots of history between these two teams often the two teams left standing in concacaf specific competition they are familiar with each other they have faced each other in really really big moments I'm a little nervous about the United States going up against right. Canada. So I'm not even going to act like I'm not. Um, they have some motivation. We talked about that already. But I think uh, I think the United States uh, are also uh, equally motivated as well to put together a good performance. Um, who, who do you maybe want to see get nabbed with the start in a game like this on the U.S. side of things? Yeah, so this game, I, I'm going to be very honest, it gives me heart palpitations just thinking <laughs> about it and talking about it because this is a, a matchup that is so deep-rooted in rivalry. You even think about the last time these two teams played just in July at the end of the CONCACAFW championship, and the United States ends up winning, right? They they win CONCACAFW, they get the 1-0 win over Canada, and the lone goal in the game comes on a penalty kick 
from Alex Morgan, not the run of play, right? There was maybe a little bit of controversy about this as well as kind of how it happened. There's this sour taste in everyone's mouth, right? The United States are thinking we should have beat them to nothing. We, we should have gotten a goal in, in the run of play. This is our rivals. And as you talked about with Canada, they've already got a lot riding on this game and this tournament and their frustrations with Canada soccer. Um, they're also still have that bitter taste in their mouth from the CONCACAFW championship. And it, it, this is a World Cup year and the competition between these two is, is insane, right? So United States is number one in FIFA. Canada is number six. You asked me who I want to see get the start. And when I'm looking at the United States roster, um, this She Believes Cup tournament overall, knowing that Canada is the first matchup for the U.S., I, we're going to see Alyssa Nair in goal. I, I think that hands down, we're going to see Nair out of Chicago get the start between the sticks. Um, I think my biggest question mark is across the back line because I'm not so sure which way Vlachmaninovsky is going to lean. I, I think we will see Emily Fox get the start over Crystal Dunn in the left back position. Um at least for this game and kind of how things are going. I want to see Gurma and Sauerbrunn in the midfield. I do with Sofia Huerta on the outside, but I'm not so sure we will. That okay. That's one where I'm just like a little bit concerned. What about you across the back line between goalkeepers and, and back line? What do you think in there? I, for people who, who like to read their content versus listen to their content, I wrote up on .com, three things that I really want to see from the United States over the course of this, she believes cup. One of the things I'm really going to keep an eye on are defensive matchups. Yep. We're a few games into 2023 already. And I'm sorry, two clean sheets with blowout score lines against New Zealand, New Zealand did not give us a ton to evaluate uh, on the defensive side of things. So I'm looking for she believes cup to, to be that opportunity. And I'm also looking at She Believes Cup to give some answers a little bit. Mm -hmm. There's some of these question marks that are still floating around um, positional areas on the pitch, I think, for the United States as they build up to the World Cup steer. But that timeline is just getting shorter and shorter. And while there's a lot of eyes on that middle third and what it's going to look like or what it could like as you continue to see player rotation within it, you know, somebody like a Taylor Cornea getting in the mix as well. I'm still looking at, at the back line that we're going to see players continue to get rotated in. We've talked about that. And some of these players who have been out due to absence or injury are making their way back in. We got to see the reintroduction of Emily Sonnet uh, during the January camps. And Tierna Davidson is inching her way back into this back line. Not available for selection amongst these games. A similar timeline and injury to Martha for uh, Davidson. But Although she's there training, not available for these games. So I'm I'm looking at Aguirma, yeah, but I'm also looking at Alana Cook. These are two players that sort of closed out um, 2022, maybe in, in not in the best of of, uh, of highlight reels. I think that England game, they were yeah. given the opportunity to be the starting duo. And they had a very, very rough start. Now, I do believe that they played in themselves into that game. And they got much stronger, and I think they closed it out great. But it was tough to see that as they went you up can't, against. You can't play yourself into big games anymore. It's not going to cut it. You have to start. Yeah, big crowd, big crowd, big stadium, big team, right? So hey, that's all you're going to see between July and August. So 
so from here on, for, so Shibaliska, Cup, you know, I, I think it's it's a real opportunity here. I don't know if Andonovsky is going to say, hey, yeah, we're going to have a game where we start Alana Cook and Naomi Gurma together. But I'm saying that I want to see it. <laughs> I want to yeah. see it moving forward. Because I think these players have very um, specific skill sets that are, you know, unique to them. Uh, but what does that look like when you when you play them together against opposition like a Brazil, a Canada, or uh, or or a Japan? Now, Canada, because of the rivalry between this, when I say I'm a little nervous about Canada, it's not because I think that you know the United States could lose. I mean, that's always a possibility on any given game day. I don't want anybody to get hurt. These games are always physical. That is why I'm always nervous about going up yeah. against Canada. As you build up to a World Cup, you just want everybody to get a good game in and exit this match healthy. First one of She Believes Cup. That's you. I really want to hold that uh, you know standard up there. So we'll we'll see. But anything can can happen. I know there's some players who are missing. I mean, obviously Desiree Scott. Yeah. You know her absence with an injury in this game is gonna. Uh, impact things a little bit I think in that middle third and um, I think when it comes to to the back line I really do want to see that duo get a start somewhere over the course of these two games so I don't know if I I think at this point you know what you're getting out of a Becky Sauerbrunn I don't know what you're evaluating there much more than who works well with her but right what if you need these two players to be your starting duo what does that look like? And what does it look like against one of your biggest CONCACAF competitions? So I want to see Girma and Cook get the start against Canada. And I want to see Crystal Dunn continue to build those minutes. And I would like to see Sofia Huerta also continue to get those minutes against a team uh, like Canada. So I got Nair and Ned as yeah. well, too. At this point, you got to start giving okay. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely Nair and Ned. I, I also think that we could see Dunn on the left and then Fox on the right over a Huerta. Um, I think that Black Wadonofsky really likes having Fox on the pitch. And I agree. I think you have to get done some more minutes and and continue to build her up, especially in high stakes games like this. If you're starting with that center back of Dunn and Gurma, you need you need done back or excuse me of cook and Gurma. You need done in that back line to kind of add a little bit of leadership um, and experience between Fox Gurma and cook. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see a Gurma and cook center back for sure. Okay. Let's talk about the midfield because we have to talk about this. We have to talk about the six. We have people in our chat saying, when are you going to talk about the midfield? Hello. Can you talk about the six? What's going to happen there? We're I'm predicting that we're going to see Taylor Korniak at the start in the f- defensive midfield for the United States, 100. percent Yeah, I think. Um, look, I, I, I'm saying that this is a tournament that maybe you want to get some answers, and I think you're going to find out very quickly um, what those answers are when you are integrating a, a player in a sort of a new position a little bit, at least at the national team level. And how that looks. Yeah. Um, we we that was something new that came out of um, New Zealand. We saw Taylor Korniak uh, in a first half in that first game against New Zealand, and then we saw Andy Sullivan come in in the second half. And when we took a look at their heat maps, when we took a look at their pass maps, they were just two very different types of of, uh, of touch maps, right? So um, I think there's a little bit of grace I think that's given in. Um, in an opportunity like that, we're talking first time in the role for a big, big team like the United yeah. States. We're talking first game after a long off season uh, in 2023. And um, 
maybe you're you were tasked with some things that you weren't able to fully execute on the pitch just yet. But it sounds like she's going to get another opportunity. I thought it was really, really interesting that, you know, it's not just Andonovsky who ultimately confirmed that we're going to con- we're going to see a little bit of continuity with that. They want to continue to see Korniak in those scenarios. Um, but I thought it was very cool to also see that Casey Stoney had a bit to say about it yep. as well, that uh, to sort of you, you lose a little bit of something when you maybe put a player uh, like Korniak in a traditional six row uh, that maybe you want to see a player like that work more in a pivot or be given a little bit more freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, <laughs> but I don't know if that's what uh, the coach I, I don't gonna task her with. Think- yeah, I don't think Vlako Andonovsky cares what she's. I mean, what her okay, so let's say Taylor, Taylor Cornea thinks. gets to start against Canada. I'm sorry. What does she need to do against Canada? <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny I'm, I'm that we're nervous. laughing about this. It's true, though. It's true. I mean, but going back to that, yes, it's great to get Casey Stoney's insight, but. It doesn't matter. International coaches and national team coaches, they look at what these players are doing with their club team, but that doesn't necessarily translate to what they're doing for the national team. So I, I just don't think that that's like that viable. I, if Casey Stoney wants to do something specific with Taylor Korniak, great. Let her do that. Let her play to Casey Stoney, what she thinks are Korniak's strengths. Vlakovanovsky is going to utilize Korniak where he needs her, and and she's going to do it and perform to the best of her abilities because this is her ticket to the World Cup. This is her ticket to kind of solidify herself on this United States women's national team. And she's not pushing Rose Lavelle out of that spot higher. I don't think she's pushing an Ashley Sanchez out of that secondary spot higher in the midfield. And this is Korniak's opportunity to play and get starting in significant minutes with the women's national team in the defensive midfield. So I do think that she's going to get the start against Canada, maybe not because she's earned it and she's owning that spot, but because Vlakovanovsky has tasked her with learning how to play a defensive midfield role, learning how to be more defensive minded and, and not run out of position and higher up the pitch, but to be that first line of defense in front of the back line. And this is going to be the first test for her. I mean, sink or swim at this point for Korniak. And I think that's what you have to do with four or five months out from the world cup and only five games in front of you in order to test out a player like Korniak, you have to throw her into the fire. And that means starting Korniak as the defensive midfield six against Canada, you have to see how she combats uh, defensively against the pressure that Canada is going to throw at the United States, how many tackles she can win and how much uh, transitional moments she can disrupt when Canada is looking to build the ball. If she gets out of position, right? When the United States is attacking, does Korniak get pulled too high out of position? Uh, Does she stay centrally more? Does she push out wider? I think so much of the test for Korniak is going to come off the ball in this game against Canada, especially if she gets the start versus her play with the ball. We know she can play those long balls over the top. She she's got good footwork. I'm I'm not worried about Korniak with the ball. It all comes down to Korniak without the ball. Yeah. I I think, look, this was the mid, the midfield tinkering was, I think the second thing that I put on, on three things that I want to see from, from the world cup. I'm not looking for, um, you know, like, like starting role stealing type of performances, I think for Korniak in, in, in matches like this, I think, I think again, it's, it's answers. I think the coaching staff is looking for answers. And I think that if she performs 
even just like well enough in the role against some of these teams, I think they still keep her in the mix for a, a possible spot to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Because I, you also have to look ahead just a little bit and look at their group stage. Can Korniak fulfill a sixth role against Vietnam? Probably. Like just looking at little things like that. Like, are they going to start her perhaps in the World Cup potentially against Netherlands? Probably not. Like there's some things that they're going to learn um, and probably get some of those answers in the middle third here with She Believes Cup. But I think with this competition, I think what they saw out of New Zealand, maybe they obviously you started with Rose Lavelle. Do we see Ashley Sanchez get a, a start? Did she do enough in January to earn a start against Canada? What do you think? Who else do you have within uh, the middle here alongside Cornyak? Um, Yeah, definitely Rose Lavelle for sure. Um, honestly, I would like to see an Andy Sullivan in there too. And I know that means a double pivot as, as the double six, but that will maybe give Korniak a little bit more of an understanding as to kind of what to do. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see that, but that's what I would like to see, but I don't, I think if Korniak gets the start, we'll see Sullivan come in later in the game. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Rose Lavelle. I would love to see Ashley Sanchez. I'm going to, I'm going to say Ashley Sanchez just because I want to see it so, so badly that I'm going to put out Ashley Sanchez and a Rose Lavelle with a Korniak in the midfield, which is very different than what we saw in 2021 or 2022. Yeah, what year is it? I don't even it's, know. <laughs> we're, we're in a time warp, um, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I, I want to see a similar trio uh, in, in the middle. And I think something else that I wanted to see uh, in, in She Believes Cup uh, from the United States Women's National Team is just, just more extended minutes for players yeah. who are building on those minutes, right? We already talked about how we want to see Crystal Dunn and that back line. I'm curious as to what Lynn Williams um, can provide out of those January mm. camps. I would, while I would love to see her get a start, I don't know if that's in the car for her in this very first game. Maybe it'll be in a later game in She Believes Cup, but we saw her coming in in like 15-minute to 20- to 30-minute window increments of time off of the bench in a second half. She exited those January camps against New Zealand uh, with a goal, with an assist, with a yellow card. Um, so I would like to see that. It does. It also makes me wonder if we're going to, you know, see someone like Emily Sonnet get some extended time um, in, in either of these games. But I think against Canada specifically, I'd really like to see Lynn Williams. If she is good to go for a full 45 minutes, I'd like to see her in a start versus an off-the-bench role. I would love to see Lynn Williams get the start. And I think that the way I've kind of perceived her in training camp and and what she did with Gotham when she kind of preseason first started getting rolled around and she got traded there, I, I think Lynn Williams realizes that this could be her year for club, for country, for everything. And I hope that she's bringing that energy every day. And I'm sure she is because that's the type of competitor she is. I don't know if she'll get the start, though. I want to see it. I want to see Lynn Williams get the start. Um, I think we'll see Swanson, Mallory Swanson, get the start. I I think we'll see Alex Morgan get the start as well. I really do. Um, uh, I'm not sure. I, I mean, Trinity Rodman, right? She ended up getting her third start of her career against yeah. New Zealand in that second match. Like, I, I don't think we see Rodman there, but hey, maybe it'll be Lynn Williams, Sandra. That would be be awesome could you imagine a uh, swanson morgan and lynn williams i don't 
I don't think it's happening. Yes, I no. can't imagine it, but I don't know. If we'll, I don't know if we'll, we'll actually see it. Um, I think that's what's going to be the most exciting part about She Believes yeah. Cup is that you've got all of all of this talent on this twenty-three player roster, and um, how is the coaching staff no, going to use it? Yeah, right. no, Sophia uh, Smith in this camp with with injury. So I think yeah. that also, I think when. Obviously, the coaching staff is looking at She Believes Cup, right? They're at this moment in time, they're looking at Canada and, and the roster they have and everything. But in the back of their minds, there has to be a little asterisk of, okay, well, Sophia Smith will be here, right? Like she's just recovering from an injury and they didn't want to bring her in too early. And I think that there that's in the back of my mind a little bit. Like, okay, who's going to start for now? Because you imagine it'll be Sophia Smith down the line when, when you're in the World Cup. But hey, anything can happen at this point. And I think it's it. It is maybe it is Sophia Smith's spot to lose, and I think Lynn Williams is a player that can go in there and and compete against Sophia Smith for that starting spot in the front line completely. That's a mic job, Lisa. I like it. <laughs> I think it Lisa, is. I mean, I do. I, I really do. Yeah, there's three games to to take a look at these performances from all of the players, all 23 of them, depending on how the coaching staff wants to utilize them. First up is a big challenge against Canada. Of course, when the game kicks off, I'm sure you and I will be texting each other about it. If some of our starting lineup predictions were correct or not, but let's make an actual game prediction now to close out this episode. How do you think this game's going to end, Lisa? Oh gosh, it is really hard to score against Kaylin Sheridan. It is really hard to score against Kaylin Sheridan in goal for Canada. It last time they played, I talked about it at the top of this, one nothing to US on a penalty kick by Alex Morgan. I think it'll be really narrow. I I'm gonna go one nil US. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a really short scoreline as well. I think it's gonna be one of those moments of capitalizing on a quick error, probably. Um I'm also going to go 1-0, but I'm going to go with the United States uh, in this one, and uh, we'll see. We'll have to come on back and and, and see if we're both correct. Um, and uh, make sure you tune in and watch it because you know we're going to recap it for you all. So stay tuned oh, yeah. for that as well. Look for us when we go live to recap United States versus Canada. But that's all we've got for today for the preview. So thank you all so much for joining us on Attacking Third. You can download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You can watch us too. So please subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live. YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. We will be back with the United States Women's National Team recap on Friday morning. So look out for us. Sandra Rivera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 